Hi there and welcome to this week's edition of the Jersey Weekly Podcast, the independent Rangers podcast which is made by fans for fans, where the content is absolutely free. As I tell you most weeks, guys, uh, it's not just the pod that's free. We have the online stuff. We have uh, match previews, match uh, reports and all that kind of stuff. And there's also the forums as well. And that's all absolutely free. If you're a, a first-time listener to the pod, we would ask you to subscribe if you can and put the word out there on social media. We have over 3,000 subscribers now. So thanks, everyone who's subscribed so far. Uh, the podcast is, is live tonight. It's Sunday night but it will be available to stream or download on a variety of platforms from tomorrow, including the usual places, Acast, iTunes, YouTube, CastBox, Stitcher, and Spotify. So straight into the the new season's here. Competitive football is back. Rangers played yesterday, 1-0-1 up at Pataudry. But a strange experience I felt with no fans in there, and I think it probably worked for Rangers, actually, because, you know, there wasn't the same sort of a sort of frenzy around the game. So we'll have a wee look at that. We're back in Europe on Thursday against Bayer Leverkusen. We'll have a wee discussion about that. Uh, we'll have a wee look at the Simon game next week. And we'll also, if I've got time, have a wee look at how big a season this is uh, for Steven Gerrard. So on to the guests uh, joining me this week. I'll, I'll try and get it right this time. I tried to slag him off the last time he was on uh, by describing him as the second best. <laughs> uh, I've made an asset again. <laughs> And you come, Ross. <laughs> I, I gave you a hard time two weeks ago because you made an arse of it, but <laughs> it, it's actually frustrating to see you no know, learn from your mistakes. So, like, obviously, you, you must have spent the last three or four months homeschooling your kids, Colin. Oh, and God. Has it not been frustrating for you when you see them make the same mistakes over and over again? How the fuck do you think I feel yeah. seeing mistakes while you're trying to slag me off? It's, it's 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 like Mark Warburton all over again, you know. I'll, I'll learn from I'll, I'll learn from it and, and we move on for here. This is plan A better. So so anyway, it's Ross Bennett, uh, second best uh, host on the the podcast. How are you, Ross? Back to the normal stuff. Very good. I'm very good. I'm delighted to have uh, Rangers back playing competitive football. Uh, I'm delighted that we can talk about tactics and who's shy and who's not shy and referee performances and, and, and all the rest of it. So, no, I'm, I'm in a very good mood. It's not like you. No, I'll give you that. Uh, yeah, I must admit, I, I, I still find the the no fans thing, it, it, it's really, I don't want to say I'm nervous, but it, it definitely takes a lot of sting out of the game. Uh, there was an instant uh, yesterday when, I can't remember the Aberdeen player, but it, it looked like he was clean through. And uh, Balogun sort of swept it up and all the rest of it. And I kind of thought, well, see if there was like, I don't know, 15,000, 18,000 Aberdeen fans. The minute you saw that move develop and they all sort of, you know, I'd have been sitting there like, oh my God. But yesterday I just sort of, nah, he's got that. You know what I mean? It just takes so much. I think it takes attention. It? I felt fairly relaxed for most of the game yesterday. Uh, sort of last 20 minutes I started to get a bit of a squeaky bum because we couldn't get the second goal. But overall it just didn't have the same 
sort of edge and nervousness because uh, I'm always nervous when we're up at Pataji. Yeah, than it normally does, but uh, still a good result, so we'll take it and we'll move on. Uh, also joining us tonight is uh, another stalwart from the pod, is David Fraser. How are you, David? I'm well, thanks, Colin. Um, you, happy, you happy to have Rangers back in your life on a competitive level? Obviously, they've been back doing friendlies for a week or two. Aye, yes, yes, a competitive stuff, but I can't uh, believe that the three of us are going into our fourth season on the Jersnet podcast already. I know, aye. almost a ton up. We are. Aye, the 100 uh, show is coming up in a couple of weeks' time. Aye, so, so I mean, it just shows you how, how time flies when you're having fun. Yeah, that, that's that's one way of putting it, I suppose. <laughs> but it is, it's flown in. I mean, was it 2000, 2018? It's like two years or something. So, aye, it's, 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 it's rattled in. It really has. And uh, I mean, there was a time, I think around about the 30s and 40s, that I don't think it looked too good for us at one point. I think we were maybe on, on the verge of being deleted. Uh, so it's it's good that we got through that and we're still here and we're going for strength to strength. You know, as I said, we've got over 3,000 subscribers now and uh, the numbers are pretty good at the moment. So, uh, aye, it's it's good to still be here. Uh, so, guys, we'll get right into it. Well, I thought, obviously, the Aberdeen game is the, the, the main talking point. Uh, Rangers are back, competitive football, uh, new season has started. Not quite the, the sort of season that we envisaged due to the COVID uh, pandemic, which is ongoing and has still been in some form of lockdown. Uh, so no supporters in yesterday, which, as I said, takes a, takes a right edge out of the game for me. And it, it, it's, a, it's a wee bit strange at times, but still good to see them back. 1-0 win. Ross, I'll come to you first on this. Uh, I mean, in, in terms of the performance, it felt like a wee bit deja vu to me. You know, I, I, I thought we started really well. Moved the ball about well, kind of similar to how we'd, we'd looked in pre-season, dominating the ball, dominating possession. Got the goal, which was a really good goal. But again, there was a sort of, I think, you know, for, I had this discussion with John McCallum a few weeks ago, and he sort of pointed out that defensively we're, we're, we're sound. And I think he's right. I think we are sound there. It's middle to front that, that, that worries me. I think we can break up the play. I think we can defend. Again, yesterday, having so much possession and so much of the ball going into that last 20 minutes or so, to start getting a wee bit nervous because we, we couldn't get that second goal and we couldn't kill off the game. It felt like deja vu. This seems to be an ongoing problem, breaking teams down. Uh, and the, the, the situation with Morelos, I don't think, is helping. How did you view it? Yeah, it sounds like I viewed it pretty similar to yourself, Colin. I think... But first things first, um, uh, it's, a, it's a weird relief in a way to say that we can defend now. You know, it, it's not so long ago we're talking about Russell Martin and, and David Bates and, and Stephen Smith and Ricky Foster. So to be to be in a position where we are defensively sound, and I thought all of the defence played pretty well, particularly the, the centre-halves yesterday were, were, were really strong. So it's a, it's a good framework to, and a good defence to build upon. Um, yeah, I think we started the game really nicely. It's it's a difficult opening fixture. You know, it, what what opening fixture would you rather have? Would you rather go away to Tottenham or would you rather be at home to Hamilton Academicals? Clearly, we've we've got the harder start to the season. Um, so a tough place to go is is the cliche that everyone will use, and it, it is. So I think you look at it from a basis of you get the win, you get the clean sheet, you get three points on the board, and it's a good start to the season. There were, like you say, bits of deja vu that. We couldn't quite break them down or we couldn't, you know, 
all the other cliches that you get. We couldn't kill the game. We couldn't put it to bed early enough. And I think it's it's a fair assessment. But at the same time, Aberdeen offered nothing. Um, and there was there was so little energy to the game. There was so little tempo that, in a way, it felt like quite an anticlimactic return to to competitive football. You know, it was it was a little bit dull at times, particularly in the second half. Um, but give me 38 dull 1-0 wins. Uh, it, it's absolutely fine. So we were the better team. We had the better players and we played the better football. Uh, so I know that there's been quite a lot of doom and gloom saying that we've not learned anything. We still can't break down stuffy defences. But we, we got the job done. And really, on, on an opening day that was fraught with danger, I'm, I'm really happy enough with that. David, the team was pretty much, I think, what most people expected. Obviously, there was the, the, the stuff with Morelos through the week. Was he going to Leo? Was he not going to Leo? But I think come sort of Wednesday, Thursday time, you kind of expected him to start, that he was going to be here for at least one more week. A, a debut for Liam Balogun, who was signed, I don't know, maybe sent seven or ten days ago. I, I thought he looked good. Now, we have to sort of maybe put it in context. As I said, the, the, the fixture, I, I think there'll be no supporters in there aided Rangers a wee bit, you know, you, you don't have that same atmosphere and the same hatred, for, for want of a better word, that, that would maybe, uh, you know, strip, push Aberdeen on a wee bit. They were also missing Sam Cosgrove and Curtis Main. So you maybe have to put Balogun's impressive debut into context a wee bit, but, you know, taking that, putting that to one side, I thought he looked really good. I thought he looked very assured in possession, positionally very sound, quick, strong. Looks like a good acquisition, would you think? I would go along with that. Um, obviously, he's, he's, he's come off the back of a, a restart season with, with Wigan Athletic, so he's slotted in. It's not as if he's, uh, you know, he's been lying idle for, for a number of weeks and just been, been uh, taking part in pre-season friendly. So, he it, it looks, it looks good. He looks, um, looks composed. He looks experienced. As you rightly point out, his, his positional sense looks to be, to be pretty sound. Um, but again, I, I would I would echo your sentiments entirely, Colin. I mean, it wasn't up against much. Bruce Anderson um, was playing a, a lone furrow up front and, and didn't really trouble the Rangers centre half at all. So I, I would I would take his, his impressive debut into context. But you know the, the the his opening gambit, if you like, in a Rangers jersey looks to be pretty good. And I think uh, he may well put pressure on Philip Hollander for that starting berth. Ross, on to the goal, uh, which I, I thought was maybe a better goal than, than most people gave it credit for. You know, Kent gets put through and you could maybe argue it's a, it's, it's a fairly simple finish. He's only got the keeper to beat. He could have maybe taken it around him, but it, you know, he finished it off first time. But it's the move leading up to it. And, and it was sort of reminiscent to me of how Rangers looked in pre-season. You know, there was a lot of times where teams were, you know, especially in the, in the tournament in France, where teams were pressing them. And Rangers were still resistant in terms of launching it, you know, they always look to play out that press. And it was the same with this goal. I counted four passes from uh, McGregor to Tav, put forward to the wee dink on from, oh sorry, it went to Goldson first, then to Tav, move wee dink on from uh, Hadji, goes to Morelos, one touch through, four passes from the one goal to the other goal. And uh, I know it's kind of how the game's played now. You know, when I watch old games on YouTube, there's a lot of the goalkeeper just hoofing it up the park and playing the percentages. Now it's about playing it from 
from your own goal to the next goal. But still something, it reminded me of the goal at Celtic Park that Kent scored when we played it out from that corner. And it's, it's a sign that Rangers are, are, are confident at that. They're really good at that. They don't mind being pressed. They can play their way out at it. And I thought for that reason, the finish was quite simple, I thought. But the move leading up to it, I thought was pretty decent. Yeah, well, I think it, that style of football plays itself, in my opinion, quite nicely into, into SPL attacking play because the, the calibre of defenders out with you know the, the old firm, the calibre of, of centre-halves in particular in, in the Scottish, the SPFL Premiership, I should say, um, isn't particularly high. So if you get the ball down and, and run at them or if you play nice passing moves, um, it, it, it can scare them and, and that's where you can get a lot of joy. Whereas if you lump balls up, you know, the, your, your standard Scottish centre-half is, is some big lump who will go through the back of someone to, to head a ball clear. So I'm glad to see us having a, a targeted approach in that, in that manner. Um, obviously, it's a nice, quick goal, so we can, we can talk through it properly. The ball from, from Tav through to Hadji is, is perfectly weighted. And, and by the way, you know, every pundit is saying that this is a training ground move, so it's, it's good to see that this is being worked on and, and, and executed to fruition. So that ball through from Tav to Hadji is, is really nicely weighted and um, picks him out really well, but it's the flick from Hadji is magic it really is and I, I don't think you can overstate how difficult that would have been that the kind of shoulder or, or chest flick on around the corner that he does to Morelos is just executed superbly um Morelos controls it well and and, and knocks it through perfectly weighted for, for Kent who doesn't have to break stride and you know he does well I thought he would take another touch like himself I thought he might have gone around the keeper but he, he never really needed to and Kent's quite good in those situations, you know. He's he's quite good when he's one on one against the keeper. I think was it away at Braga last season. He he, he kind of did a similar thing where he gets one on one with the keeper and he's composed and he finds the net really well. So yeah, it was a, it was a lovely goal. Um, I think everyone involved in in the build up played their role perfectly. And the fact that no one had more than one or two touches from from McGregor right through to the finish was um, was great to see. Defensively from them, it was honking. And if, if we did that, we would be slaughtering um, our full-backs and centre-halves because they were all dragged out of position. They were all sort of trying to play an offside trap, but it never really worked. So, yeah, I mean, you get, get a wee bit of a head start when the defending is that poor. And I didn't expect to see Aberdeen playing that high a defensive line at that point in the game uh, when we've got quick runners. But um, it's worked out in, in our favour. And, yeah, it's, it's a shame, really, that we didn't get to see one or two more. David, uh... Moving on to Morelos, now that he had an assist for the goal yesterday, it seemed to me, as as Ross has pointed out there, you know, Kent is is he's, he's quite good at if he's if he's sprung free, if he gets put through, but just to keep it to beat, he's, he's a decent finisher in those positions, and I think we're all looking for him to score more goals this season. We're looking for more from him and Hadji, I think. Yesterday, very early on, you know, even McCoy's commented on it. You know, you could see that Morelos was playing a lot deeper than usual, and I think. That was tactical. I think he was trying to pull uh, centre-halves out of the space to allow either Hadji or Kent uh, you know, to run through. And it seemed to work. However, on the Morelos thing, you know, I, th- I thought he played OK. He had the assist for the goal. Uh, as I said, he was dropping deep quite a lot. You know, He linked up the play well, but in, in terms of him being a goal threat, I, I felt yesterday it was practically nil. You know what I mean? You just... N- you used to go into games expecting Morelos to score. Now you're going into games expecting him not to score. It, it kind of feels, I know he's, he's been 
getting talked about for weeks and end now, and it, and it does feel a bit of deja vu, and you get a bit tired of, of talking about it. But it, it feels like all this transfer stuff is it's surely got to happen sooner than later because I I don't think we're getting the best out of him now. I, I, I'm not saying he's playing badly, but uh, I, and on top of his game, Morelos destroys teams in this league, and he's not doing it at the moment. So is it, is it time now just to say right? It's time to say thanks and and, and good luck in your uh, your future career, and we'll take the hopefully sizable transfer fee and, and and try and rebuild the squad with the, the money we make. I would say so, Colin. Um, obviously, I don't think Alfie, to be fair to him, has ever hidden the fact that he, his ambitions are playing in a in a, a more competitive league or a, a better league. Um, and the speculation has obviously been ramped up uh, in recent times. Um, I, I agree with you. He obviously he played deeper yesterday. Whether that was a tactical move or whether it was to you know, keep himself out of, out of trouble um, with McKenna and, and Considine, I don't know. But um, I mean, he, he, he's certainly capable of linking the play. He's, he's, he's quite a talented player. He, he certainly he knows how to spread the play to, 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 to drop deep, take the ball in, spin and, and, and link play. He's good at that. But as you quite rightly point out, um, we missed that focal point yesterday. Um and we didn't seem to, it, it kind of, it, it, it hindered our getting the ball into the, the Aberdeen's final third more quickly. The, I know it was the start of the season. Um, we're still a bit rusty, even though we've, we've had a decent pre-season. Um, but in terms of that match sharpness, I think that kind of played into, you know, giving Aberdeen a relatively easy ride up top. I agree with you. Where Ryan Kent's concerned, he, he's, he's certainly got an eye for goal. He's he's got decent composure when he's he's one and one with a goalkeeper, and he and, and he is direct, and we can utilise that. But with, with regards to Alfie, um, I, I to be perfectly frank, I'm I'm just looking to move on from it now. He's obviously I, I, I genuinely believe he's his heads elsewhere. Um, whether that has been uh, exacerbated by the the campaign against them and the, the, the press primarily, the, the printed media in the country, I don't know. But it's certainly been a help. Um, and I think that the, the management um, would be looking to reinvest any sizable fee that they receive from. Um, yesterday, I agree with you guys entirely. It was a wee bit flat. Um, the lack of fans maybe have contributed to, to that. But I'm of the opinion that the players, as much as the fans, need a lift from from a new signing, something exciting, um, just 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 something to, to generally lift the uh, the point mood of the of the group. Um, Joe Aribo tried. Uh, I, I like watching Joe. He's a, he's a tidy player, nice dribbler. Um, Ryan Kent tried. Obviously scored a good goal. But, uh, turned out to be the match winner. Yanis Hadji tried, a lot of stuff didn't come off from yesterday, but at least he's, he's trying. You can tell by his, his demeanour on the pitch that he's, he's a hard-working player and he's, for all intents and purposes, he's, he's a dedicated professional, according to the coaching staff. But I, it was just an edge taking off Alfie's game. And like you, I would, pref- I would prefer that any deal, if he's going to move on, gets concluded sooner rather than later. Ross, well, linking into that, you know, as, as we said earlier on, 
there was a bit of deja vu about the performance yesterday in that final third that, that we couldn't break Aberdeen down and get the second goal. I, I think I tweeted about sort of 50, 60 minutes in, you know, Aberdeen really were, I mean, I know Considine wasn't there and, sorry, Sam Cosgrove wasn't there and, you know, he does offer something to them. I know a lot of Rangers fans think he's a bit dog meat, but <laughs> he's always a player that worries me, I, I have to be honest. Uh, and he's, 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 you know, he's caused us problems in the past. And him not being there sort of changed the dynamic. But Aberdeen were dung yesterday, you know, they were really, really bad. But despite that, you know, when you start getting to 50 minutes, 60 minutes, 70 minutes, and you've not got that second goal, you've not killed the game off, you know, you just never know. <laughs> uh, it could be a set piece, own goal, where the we smash uh, on, on the goal line. And that would, you know, put the cat amongst the pigeons, Aberdeen equalise, and then it's game on. Uh, is it is that a concern that, you know, on top of the Morello speculation and the fact that he's not scoring, that, that 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 final third we are still finding it difficult to break down teams and and, and how do we how do we fix that? Yeah, it, it is a concern to a, to a, you know, to a large degree because I, I think it was yourself, Colin, when we were on a couple of weeks ago, you mentioned that you're getting a lot of mentions tonight, but John McCallum uh, a couple of weeks back said that we we conceded the same number of goals or conceded the same number of goals last season as Celtic, but we scored far fewer. Is that right? So it That is indeed it, right. So then that that shows that the problem is is creativity and, and you know what we said last week on the show was that it shows that we're too reliant on Morelos and when Morelos goes through dips in form or more barren or more lean periods in his goal scoring, then we as a team suffer. And we need the rest of the team to chip in with goals. And I think that's something that we have struggled with for a number of seasons now. I mean, if you look, obviously Jermaine Defoe has has done very well as a kind of impact sub and, and he gets more goals than, than most people coming off the bench would, uh, generally speaking. But we don't contribute enough from midfield. Um, Scott Arfield in his first season with us, I think, got a, a moderate or a reasonable number of goals. But out with him... Uh, we haven't really scored enough from midfield, and I'm I'm confident that you know obviously Kent said in his post-match interview yesterday that he wants to improve that area of his game. I'm confident that Yanis Hadji has it in him to score a number of goals, as does Joe Aribo. Um, Aribo, in a way, it sometimes is kind of a victim of his own versatility because he'll be asked to fill in here and there whenever wherever he's needed. And you know we've we've seen him play in left back because we needed him to. We've seen him play more defensive midfield and breaking up play and, and, and intercepted passes when we need him to. So he's a bit of a victim in a way because he's not always going to be given that top of the diamond free reign kind of role, which he he clearly enjoys playing. Um, yeah, creativity around or, or outside of Morelos is still lacking to a certain degree. And, and it's frustrating because I'll maybe go slightly against the grain, but I didn't think that Kent or Hadji were were that good yesterday. And I think that actually they both seem to struggle against this kind of team where there's not a lot of space and they're always going to have someone closing them down and they don't get the they, they don't have the same skill that that Joe Aribo has in the close quarters, ball glued to your feet kind of way. They're they're more get the ball down and run with it. So I'm not sure that that, that style of game suits them and, and that's frustrating because it means that we're not using them to the best of their abilities. So, yeah, it's it's a little bit concerning. Um, you have to believe that if we can see it, then the management team can see it and the scouts can see it and they know what they're looking for. 
So I, I believe that this must be the prime priority, number one priority. If and when Morelos goes, he needs to be replaced. But we need to also be bringing in other people who can contribute in, in goals and assists. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't disagree with that. I, it's my only front that worries me at the moment, I must admit. And uh, I, I think if Hadji and uh, and Kent, you know, up their game a wee bit in terms of goal scoring, not so much Hadji because he only came in in January, but certainly Kent, I think that's an area he needs to improve on. In the midfield, chipping, you know, as you said, uh, Scotty Arfield's quite good at chipping in with goals. Ryan Jack's improving. And if we get a decent replacement, for Morello, someone that's going to chip in, you know, your 2025, 20, then you would have to think that, you know, we're, if we can keep the consistency going, that, that, that surely we're in with a shout this year of, of, of putting in a, a strong challenge. David, <laughs> you know, as I've sort of said all the way through this, the no supporters thing, I, I thought it took, you know, it's normally a feisty fixture up at Pataudry, you know, the Aberdeen fans, you know, there's a deep, deep hatred. I remember being up there a few years ago. Uh, Ian Jess scored a free kick in the first couple of minutes and I had to duck a bucket of chips coming over for the, for the home support. So, you know, they don't like as much up there and it, it does, I don't care what anyone says, it does have an impact on the game, you know. We routinely, uh, or we have in the past up until maybe last year or so, you know, stuff Aberdeen at Ibrox. But, you know, we always find it difficult up there. No fans yesterday. It seemed to me that that definitely took an edge out of the game. Not one Rangers player booked. I can't remember that ever happening at Pataudry. You know what I mean? So the no fans obviously had an impact. So in terms of Considine's red card, I mean, it was a shocking challenge, but it doesn't even have the excuse of saying, you know, he's caught up in the atmosphere. It was just a cynical straight-legged attempt to to hurt a, a, a fellow professional. Now, the boy's had seven red cards in his career. The last three of those have come against Rangers. And I think that tells you something about uh, maybe his mentality and the mentality of, of, of that club. I definitely. I mean, Andy Considine, he's... he's uh, I dare say when he take too much encouragement from Derek McInnes and his, his coaching staff to fire Andy up for a, a game against Rangers at Pataudry. Uh, it was a shocking, shocking uh, challenge. Um, thankfully, Bobby Madden's seen it for what it was and, and it immediately brandished the red card. Um, but let's face it, I mean, we've, we've, I mean, the three of us are long enough in the tooth now watching the, the Scottish Premier League that these kind of challenges are, are ten a penny. Um, that... Uh, how should we put it, the, the, the kind of hammer thrower mentality still hasn't been eradicated sufficiently from our game in order to take our national game forward. Um, and it legislates against this, you know, whether it be domestic competitions or or in Europe or international football for that matter. So, um, aye, but the, the, the atmosphere is, to be, to be honest with you, I was slightly surprised that it took that long. I mean, Aberdeen in the first half Whilst we were reasonable, but were extremely passive, and they, you know, they, they didn't offer much up front. Um, they, they weren't particularly effective in the middle of the park. I mean, Lewis Ferguson, has been has been linked with Rangers of you know, of late, uh, certainly pre pre lockdown. Um, Lewis looked distinctly ordinary yesterday, um, and you know. 
the usual Scott McKenna, strong arming guys, anti posts and stuff like that. It's just, you know, you tend to become expectant of Aberdeen's attitude towards Rangers. Um, but on the flip side of that, we seem to handle that. Um, I dare say that, you know, it'll be a unique experience for Ryan Jack insofar as he's, that's probably one of the, the only games he'll play at Pataudry in a Rangers jersey or, a, or indeed a Scotland jersey and they'll get booed by the, the locals. Um, so, oh, it's just, you know, standard fare for, for a, a Rangers-Aberdeen game at Pataudry, I guess, Colin. Ross, uh, kind of wrapping up just all these game, uh, you know, as we've sort of said all the way through it, no supporters. However, it was announced through the week there with the, the sort of recent uh, sort of upgrades to the, the, the eases on lockdown that supporters, it's proposed that supporters will be allowed into grounds on a limited basis from September the 14th. I have to say, you know, doesn't feel like that long ago that we were getting told it would be next year before we would be back in football grounds and and it all seems to be everything seems to be happening fairly quickly now. Uh, one thing I do know about this is it'll, it'll cause a Twitter storm and, and the Rangers Twitter at you when some fans get told that they're getting in and others don't. But we'll not get into that. It'll probably be linked to my Jers points or something like that. I don't know. But does does it feel good that you know we're maybe reaching a point where we're a going to be allowed back into Ibrox and back to see the team. You're right. It, it undoubtedly will be linked to, to my jazz points or some kind of reward scheme and it'll be grossly unfair for everyone who doesn't get a goal and, and people will be getting to go because of who they know, not because of how you know how, how frequently they've been going in the past and, and, and whatnot. So um yeah difficult one for the club to, to manage and minister that one because the, the vast majority of people are, are naturally going to be unhappy. Um, but the, the club can cross that bridge when we come to it. I, I sort of wish we'd all stop making predictions like this and stop saying we'll be back in stadiums in, in September, October, January, March, whenever it is. We don't know. And things keep changing. You know, it's, what is it this week? If, if you live in Manchester, you're no longer allowed to go and sit in a relative's house. Um, three weeks ago, it was Leicester or Luton and, and, and places are having isolated outbreaks. Paisley, St Mirren obviously had their own issues a couple of weeks back. So... I sort of don't see the value in making these kinds of predictions. Um, we still don't know enough about the virus and how it spreads. We don't know what's going to happen when the weather gets a wee bit colder. Um, so to, to try and make predictions six weeks in, in the future, when we're we're looking across Europe now and seeing countries that are opening up are starting to uh, experience rises in numbers, whether that constitutes a second wave or not, I don't know. Um, at the risk of it all getting very political and not very football related. I don't know how anyone can make these kind of predictions with any confidence. I'd love to go back and watch football. Um, I'm like yourself, Colin. I know you you enjoy, if you're not watching Rangers, you'll go and watch uh, Camelin in, in the juniors. And, and I love doing the same thing down here and go watching non-league football and standing around with 200 other folk and, and watching a game. Um, I, I, I love football. I love watching live sport. And no one wants to get back into iBooks more than I do, but it has to be safe because, you know, we need to look after the, the fans first and foremost of the fabric of the club and they're the, the people that, that help the club survive. So now the club needs to make sure that we as a fan base survive. And September, I think it seems a bit early. Uh, I'll be amazed if it happens. I, I know we were talking about next year. We've mentioned October in the past, but we don't know what's, what's going to happen next week, let alone next month. So 
I'd love to. I would really love to. I'm, I'm currently, I'm sat looking at a photograph of Ibrooks right now and I miss it. I know you guys miss it as well, but we, we can't do it until it's safe. David, I mean, with everything that's been going on recently, you know, we're in the, the, the middle of this pandemic. Obviously, we're, we're coming out of it a wee bit, but as, as Ross has pointed out there, uh, we just don't know what's going to happen in the future. We've had friendlies, the Premiership restarted, and all this kind of stuff going on. And with all the stuff that's went on, you kind of forgot that Rangers are still in Europe. <laughs> I mean, we're in Europe in August, and it's no a qualifier. It's, it's, you know, it's the last 16 of the Europa League. And we, we travel to Germany uh, this week, 3-1 down from the first leg. Uh, I mean, realistically, you would you would probably have to say the, 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 the tie's done. Would you agree with that? On the face of things, aye, it's a tall order. Um, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think Bayer Leverkusen's last competitive game came in the German Cup final, which was, uh, if memory serves, was in the 4th of July against Bayern Munich. Um, I would imagine they've played a couple of bounce games since. Um, I don't know what level of position they've been they've been practicing against, but aye, but you know, you can never say never in football. Um, you know, cast your, your mind back a, a few weeks. Would you have thought that, that the Rangers side would have went to to Leon and, and turned over Leon and, and Nice uh, by two goals in, in both games? Probably not. So. Um, I like it'll be a tall order. If we if we can get a quick goal uh, and, and shut them out and they're rusty, um, well, you never know, Colin. Um, I, I put it this way: I mean, uh, you know, the, the kind of Rangers da half of my brain says, you know, that there's no free hit as a Rangers team, um, and Rangers should go into every match looking to try and win. Um, obviously circumstances dictate otherwise and, and a degree of realism enters the enters a conversation and, and to be three one down from the home leg obviously means that it's going to be a, a tough ask. But you never know. You never know. Um how the squad is impacted. Um I'd imagine the squad's already been been cast in stone. Uh, so I don't think any Correct me if I'm wrong here. I don't think there's any special dispensation if to field a, a sign and where when to take place in the, in the days before the, the game kicks off. So, aye, you know, we did well to get past Braga, given that we were 2 0 down after an hour at Ibrox, beat them home and away. That, that's just that, that aided our, um, her, ourselves in the res- respectability stakes in, in Europe. And I'm, I'm, I'm generally happy with that. I think that. The Leverkusen game came at a time when we'd obviously suffered a dip in form uh, in the league, uh, and it was just maybe a bridge too far. I think if, if Rangers had been, you know, a, a, on a high, a relative high, that is, uh, you know, in the league in domestic action, um, that we may well have given Leverkusen a, a better game. There was a sitter that was missed that, that might have gets back to three two, which are given us a, a more realistic chance coming into the second leg, but. Ah, I mean, the odds are, are probably stacked against Rangers, but you know me, Colin, I'm a, a glass half full type of guy. I like to think I am, so you never know. I mean, Ross, on that, it's, I mean, on the face of it, you would have to think it's done. Uh, but, you know, uh, 
again, there's going to be no supporters on the ground. And, and as David's pointed out, the, the Bundesliga has been completed for over a month now. So where Leverkusen are in terms of their fitness and, and match readiness is, is maybe up for debate. And I just have this feeling, I, I'm, not, I'm not going to sit here and predict that the Angels are going to go through. Uh, but part of me thinks if Rangers get the first goal, then it maybe just plants a wee bit of doubt in their minds. And we've went abroad, you know, we've went to hard grounds in the, in the past and, and won 3-0. The, the one that sticks out in my mind is obviously Leon. So it's not an impossible result to get. It's just a very hard one to get. But if we get that first goal, no supporters there. As I said, they're how prepared they are in terms of their fitness for this game would maybe come into question. You just never know. Yeah, exactly. That, that, that's the, the best summation you can get. I mean, preparation and everything else plays into our hands more so than it does theirs. Uh, their best player is is subject to, you know, very strong transfer speculation. Um, they haven't played in, in over a month. Uh, and the last time that they did play, they lost 4-2 in a cup final. So demoralised and demotivated, I suppose. This is looking at the most bright side of all bright sides. You know, the odds are going to be still very, very firmly stacked against us. We're going to a, diff- a difficult place, albeit without supporters. We do well away in Europe. You know, we, we, we've we gone to some tough places and got some good results. So, yeah, you'll never say never. Um, it's it's nice to still be involved in Europe. Well, actually, it's, it's nice to be playing a European game in August that's not, you know, some awful first qualifying round tie in the arse end of nowhere. So, um, look, I don't think any of us, you know, when we were doing these podcasts at the start of the season, we were hopeful for group stages, but acknowledged the difficulty in getting there. We then get out of the group and we were hopeful of getting by Braga. I don't think any of us ever really expected to get past by Leverkusen. It was the hardest draw we could have gotten for the last 16. Um, and, and if we go out at this point, it's been a hugely enjoyable campaign. Um, but yeah, we we have a chance. We need to go there and score three goals, which uh, is difficult considering we've just spent 10 minutes talking about how we over-rely on Morelos to get goals. But he, he scores goals in Europe. So, um, like I say, I, I'd rather be playing this game than not playing it. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it and, and let's see what happens. David, is there a chance? Uh, I mean, I know it's last 16, you know, and there's, there's a potential uh, quarter-final berth at place. But is there a chance... You know, given the sort of desire for Rangers to be successful domestically this season, uh, is there a chance that Gerard might actually view this tie as a bit of a pain in the arse? You know, because one, the result, so it's, you know, he's, he's got to prepare for a game that maybe he thinks is already gone and it takes his focus away from from the, the league stuff at a time when they want to get up and running and get a good start under their belt. Um, I, th- I think you could view it two ways, Colin. I think it, it's. I would only see it, view it as a benefit um, because you could you could treat it as another pre-season game against a, a very healthy standard of opposition. So it's going to it's going to hone your sharpness. Um, it's it's only going to uh, improve us, or we're going to derive some benefit from playing in the match in the domestic sense when it comes to playing St. Mun. Uh, and hopefully in the weeks going forward. So, ah, you mean you could view it both ways. You, you could say it's possibly a hindrance, and, and, and Stevie could maybe, you know, could be doing without it. Um, but I, I would treat it as a, as, as a pre-season game with the added bonus of 
you know, extra prize money were we to, you know, do the unlikely and, and overturn that 3-1 deficit and, and get through. Um, again, it's, it's another opportunity for players to put themselves in the short window that might want to move on in, in short order. So, I, I would, I would tend to kind of treat it as a positive. I would, you know, I would sit Alfie down, assuming he's he's, he's in the dressing room on Thursday night, and uh, say, you know, you know, you want to move. I'm assuming that, that, that negotiations may well be close at the conclusion if the the ink on a contract isn't quite dry yet, and say, there's the incentive, you know, go and go and bag yourself a a couple of goals against Leverkusen and, and seal your your move. Um, Aye, it's it's just one of those ones you could you could view it both ways. But let's put it this way: I mean, given the, the unique circumstances of the times we find ourselves in, that we're still playing the last sixteen second leg tie in August, um, I'd rather be playing it as no playing it, Colin. Put it that way. That's a positive spin, David. Yeah, there, there is that. I mean, I don't think you know if you'd have said to me after the the the, the progress fiasco, uh, you know two, three years back, that we would be knocking on the door, albeit it looks unlikely given the, the, the scoreline at the moment, but to even be within a, a, a chance of getting to the, the quarterfinals of Europa League, if you'd said to me that that was a possibility two years after that progress game, I'd, I would have just laughed at you. You know what I mean? I just didn't see Rangers getting anywhere near that level in, in any sort of short time frame at all. You know, I think Gerrard's come in and, and really pushed us forward on that front so yeah I think you're right it's, it could be viewed as a positive but I, I do wonder if maybe Gerard just looks at it and thinks you know travel time taking the players away an extra game that maybe they don't need but as you say given the pre-season you could just treat it as a free hit and you know it gets players up to match fitness and you never know we might just sneak a result and we're in the quarter-final Europa League we'll all be watching that's for sure uh, and no doubt we'll talk about it next <laughs> next Sunday uh, but if, if we're all being honest, I think I think it's looking a wee bit unlikely. Ross, after Leverkusen, uh, we're back to Ibrox next Sunday, three o'clock, first home game of the season. Again, we're not going to be there. We'll all have to sit and watch it on Rangers TV, and I am looking forward to the the logging on process for that. That's, <laughs> anytime I do that, it's 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 always fun. Uh, so the. Next week, Sunday, St Mum, they won 1-0 against Livingston yesterday. Uh, by all accounts, they put in a decent performance. As, as we talked about with Pataudry yesterday with Rangers, you know, Aberdeen lost one of the, the sort of main sort of things in their army in terms of their supporters. You know, the, the, the atmosphere just wasn't there. The edge was taken away and Rangers looked quite confident through it, I thought, because of that. So, given... St Myrna will be coming to Ibrox for the same thing, you know, no home support. Is there a possibility that it could work in St Myrna's uh, favour, you know, with, with no home support? Or is this could this be double jeopardy? You know, given that, you know, as a home support, we're, we're not like David, let's put it that way. You know, we can be quite a negative uh, fan base at time at home. You know, if we're not one nothing up, 2 nothing up after half an hour, the, the groans start and the fans start to get on top of the players. And it's at home that we've, we've struggled sometimes to break teams down as they sit in, you know, when players start to feel the pressure as the supporters become a bit frustrated. Could it actually go the other way? Could it actually be the case that without that pressure, the players will feel a wee bit more freedom just to, to express themselves and, 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 and go on and win convincingly? Yeah, well, hopefully. Um, 
but yeah, it's very possible. Um, and, and again, I don't want to deride the Rangers fan base, but I think what you've described there is something we're all familiar with. Um, I, I think what happened with Aberdeen to a certain degree is that they, rightly or wrongly, when Rangers come to town in Aberdeen, the Aberdeen fans get up for it and, and they can be fairly vocal and passionate and that it gives their team a little bit of edge or, or, or drives them on a bit more, gives them an extra 5 or 6%. St Mirren, I'm not sure, have the same uh, passionate fan base, let's say, particularly when they come to Ibrox. I don't think I've ever heard them make a noise. So uh, I don't think that they will notice the absence of their fans. They certainly won't be able to you know, usually hear their fans roaring them on at Ibrox. Um, and, and, and you have the classic St Boo stereotypes that are quite a negative fan base anyway. So it'll be interesting to see how it affects them. I think Regardless of that, and I don't, I don't mean to be disrespectful to St Mirren, but at the same time, I don't really care. Um, we should be far superior, right? We have the better players. Our squad is worth 50 times more, probably. Uh, we should be in a different league to St Mirren. We, we, we're, we're a cut above, surely. So take the fans away, bring the fans in, whatever. It shouldn't really make too much difference. I think we'll, we'll have a degree of tiredness from, or continental hangover from the game on Thursday, perhaps. But I don't think the absence of, of a crowd at Ibrooks will have too much of an impact on the game. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I just feel that, I mean, I, I, again, I don't want to be overly critical of a support that I'm part of, but I mean, there was one last season, the guy that sat next to me, I kid you not, 30 seconds into the game, I think it was Scott Arfield tried a pass and it, and it started then. It was, oh, for fuck's sake, you know, all that stuff. And I, I do, I just, I just think... At times, we make it harder for 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 players at Ibrox to you know live up to the, the 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 standards that they can because we just put so much pressure on them. And I just wonder if that I I, I thought we saw a wee bit of that against Motherwell. I know it was only a friendly, but there was just a kind of freedom and a relaxed nature of how they played that game that I thought you know what you don't really see that when, when, in Europe. You see it because you know it's a bit of a free hit in Europe, especially if you're playing you know one of the bigger clubs. You know, there's no real pressure. And I think that's why Rangers have been so successful in Europe is because there's no real pressure. It's when the pressure kicks in that I think some of these players crack a wee bit. And I don't think we help in that. I, I, I hear a lot of comments with supporters at games that I just think, you know, we're, we're here to support them. We're here to sort of cheer them on and, and help them over the line. And I'm not convinced that a, a lot of the times at Ibrox we do that. I think there's a lot of negativity for a lot of supporters. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I'm guilty of that as myself. You know, we just turn up and expect the players to perform. I, I don't think it's really like that. You know, you, you need to be that extra man. I think if Ibrox is, is right behind the team, that's what we are. And you see that at the bigger games, you know, the Celtic games and, and, and in Europe. I think if we could get a wee bit more of that at some of the other games, we would help them over the line as well. And I just wonder that if no fans been there, could maybe help us as well. You know, everybody's saying it's, it's something that will, hinder the home the home team, you know, because they don't have the home support behind them. I, I, I think yours, it might be a little bit different. I think some players will maybe think, you know what, well, I've not got supporters giving me a hard time because I've played two or three dodgy balls because I think that's when players start to play within themselves. You know, the minute they know that they're going to get heckled for the support, they start taking the easy option, passing inside a five-yard pass rather than taking maybe a, trick, a trickier pass that would, that would make something happen. So we'll find out. We'll find out on Saturday, I suppose, but I think it might just work uh, in our favour. 
David, uh, our former goalkeeper, uh, Jack Anik, he's back. He, he kept a clean sheet. He's at his new club just listening on. You would think he would have a point to prove, no? Probably. Probably. Um, I think... Uh, I think Tony Fitzpatrick's comments of... Top <laughs> <laughs> six. Aye. Uh, well, I, I think I think there's some there's some insiders in. I was going to say Love Street there, but Greenhill Road are, are maybe, you know, uh, in a jocular fashion suggesting a top three finish for Saints after Tony's um, ramblings. Uh, aye, I've noticed today that they've made inquiries uh, to take. Um, Fill in loan to Celtic. Um, whether that's in time for, for the game next Sunday, if uh, if Neil Lennon decides to let the player go. Um, is, that 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 two, is that that £2 million signing that scored like nine goals or something like that? I think it may be him, I. Yeah, hi. <laughs> um, but uh, I, leaving, you know, leaving that aside, I, I, Jack Anikoff, you know, he'll he want to get one over his, his, old, his old employers. Um, like you, I, I agree. I think that the, that the lack of pressure there um, will play into Rangers' hands. I, I, I take both your points in the sense that you know, Thursday's exertions may well have an impact on how we approach the game on Sunday. Um, but I fully expect a Rangers side to turn up and want to take a grip of the game, early doors, and uh, at least be two goals to the good at half-time. Um, St Mern, you know, second season under Jim Goodwin, uh, they're looking to build, leaving aside, you know, the, the extra press that's been put on them by their, their chief executive or their sporting director, whatever remit Tony's got these days there. Um, they'll be looking to improve. They may well prove to be stuffy opposition, but you know, as you guys have mentioned, if we want to be winning Premier League titles, we've got to be putting teams like, like St Mun away at home with the greatest of respect for them. So, uh, aye, Jack will be keen to make an impression and say, you know, this is what I, you know, I, I could have been capable of given more game time in a Rangers jersey. But at the end of the day, I'm just looking for, for another three points, another clean sheet and a resounding victory next Sunday afternoon. Uh, I've got a wee story about Annika. Actually, I was it was a couple of seasons ago. Me and my boy were standing under the the Copeland Road. We were waiting on the queue. At the subway. It was after the game. It was bucketing down with rain. So if that happens, sometimes we stand under the Copeland Road stand, and you can see the queue for there. And once it starts going down a wee bit, we'll, we'll go down and join it. And, and Annick came out one of the fire exits at the Copeland Road. And uh, my boy went to get his autograph, and I have to say, he was as dull as dishwater. He was not a nice individual at all. Uh, it, 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 you'd have thought that Connor had farted in his face when he asked him for his autograph and a selfie. But uh, so I hope he gets pumped on Sunday because <laughs> he, he just didn't strike me as a nice person that day. So if you're listening, uh, Mr. Anik, get it up you. Uh, anyway, guys, before we wrap up, uh, we've been conscious of time, you know, sort of seven, eight minutes to go. It's just some stuff I've, I've seen on social media this week uh, regarding Stephen Gerrard and the expectations that are sort of put upon him. I thought we'd have a wee discussion about that. Ross, I'll come at you first. 
you know, I've I've seen more than one, you know, quite a few saying that this is, you know, make or break for for, for Gerard. If he doesn't win the league this season, then he needs to go. And I have to say, I have a real issue with that. Yeah, I think Gerard deserves a wee bit better than that. I think he's, I'm not going to lie, I think he's the greatest asset at the club at the moment. I think he's brought us on leaps and bounds from from where we are. And I, again, I just think people live in this world that everything's normal, you know, and we're going toe to toe with Celtic when it isn't. You know, the, the, to me, the events of 2012 of uh, debilitated us so much that we are playing catch up, and to expect Gerard to just win a league just like that, and if he doesn't, then he's out the door. I, I think that's harsh. I don't think the normal rules apply here. Uh, so I would, I, what's your views on that? I, I think, Gerard. I mean, when you look at the two examples I'm going to give you, and I had a discussion with a boy through the week about this, I was like, it took Klopp five years, and it took Alex Ferguson five years at Man United. You know, those were two clubs that were fairly dysfunctional, and it took Klopp and Ferguson four or five years to get them up and running, to get the players in that they needed, to change all the infrastructure, and to get everything and all the coaching staff in place that they needed to win a title. And someone came back and said to me, well, you can't compare the Premiership to the Scottish setup. You know, it's between Rangers and Celtic and that's it. But I, th- I think Celtic are so far ahead of us in terms of finances that, you know, it makes it difficult for, for Rangers to, 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 to challenge. I think Gerard offers us a chance because if, if we're both going for the same player, Celtic can offer more in wages, but we can offer, you know, we've got Steven Gerrard here. Do you want to work with him? And I think some players would maybe take five grand, five grand a week less to, to do that. So how do you feel? Do you think it's make or break from, or do you think this, the normal rules do not apply? You know, the, the thing I see is three seasons, if a, if a manager doesn't win uh, a title in three seasons at Rangers, they should be out the door. should point out John Gregg didn't do it in five. Uh, and there's been, a, I think, Willie Waddle was the same. I think he got four years before he, and he, he wasn't sacked, he moved upstairs. You know, that's three years, but do you think, do you think Gerard it's make or break or should he be given a wee bit more time if he doesn't get it this year? Well, it's funny because I was going to ask you, when was the last time a Rangers manager was given three unsuccessful seasons? Um, so thank you for preempting that and, and answering it and saying that it was ages ago. Get um, up, you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think it's going to be very, I, I will slightly disagree with you, actually. I think if he doesn't win the league this year, it's going to be very, very difficult to see a world in which he stays on. If he doesn't win the league this year, but he was within five points and he delivers the Scottish Cup, it might might just be enough to save him. But if he doesn't win the league, he's going to have to do a hell of a lot to convince folk that he's he's the right man. Um, and I think a big part of that is going to be showing that he can learn his lessons and learn from his mistakes and make improvements. So going by the fact, you know, yesterday still couldn't break down a stubborn defence and put a game to bed. And also we're given the opportunity to make five substitutions and he makes one, which is a massive criticism against Gerard. shows that maybe he's not learning from his mistakes. And maybe he should start doing so quickly because if you're not only going to be the manager that doesn't win a title within three years, which isn't acceptable at Rangers anyway, but you're also the manager that couldn't stop them winning 10 in a row. That's not a good look. And it's going to be very, very hard to salvage his career at Rangers if he doesn't do it this season. I agree he's got a very, very difficult job. But three years is six transfer windows. 
to bring in your own squad. Um, and he's, you know, let's let's not pretend he's not been backed. I think the boards have backed him with a huge amount of money for Kent and a huge amount of money for Hadji. Um, I, I think he's he's probably had the vast majority of signings that he's asked for. So he's been backed. He's he's had two unsuccessful seasons, not just in the title, but but in the cups as well. And and a lot of the cup defeats were self-inflicted from not learning lessons. Um, if this season goes like last season and we end up 13 points adrift and not in any cup finals, well, one cup final that we lost, uh, then he won't survive that. So if he doesn't win the league, I'm going to find it very, very difficult to stay behind him, I think. What about you, David? Is, is this make or break for, for Stevie G? Or do you think he deserves a wee bit more time uh, if he doesn't win the league this year? That's a difficult one, Colin. Um, I think if you'd asked me this question last year, um, I cast my mind back 12 months and I was very positive that we would win the title last season. Uh, I'm not as positive this season. Given, but I would I would temper that and, and insert the caveat that obviously the transfer window has still got a ways to run. I shudder to think where we where we might be if Stephen Gerrard is forced into considering his future at Rangers. Um, now there may well be succession planning put in place with regards to. Peter Lovencrans and to a lesser extent um, Kevin Thompson, maybe even an outlier like Graham Murty. But um, I'm very much like yourself. Um, this season, given the financial structures that Rangers still appear to be operating under, um, and I'm not, you know, adding fuel to the, the fire from our cousins across the, the city that, you know, predict admin 5,090 or whatever um, on, a, on a regular basis. Um, we've obviously got to, to cut our cloth accordingly. Um, we've, um, I think I'm right in saying that we've, we've just officially executed ourselves from Sports Direct International. So that's going to take a while to kick in in terms of the retail revenue streams coming online properly in, in the sense that, you know, from a legacy perspective, if you cast your mind back to, to maybe uh, operations under David Murray, um, that will have an impact in, in what level a player we can shop for. I think that is an important um, thing to take into consideration with regards to assessing how Gerard does. However, on the flip side of that, I would agree 100% with Ross in the sense that Stevie can ill afford another barren season. He's got to deliver silverware of some sort. I would side with you and say that um, he should be given additional time with regards to the league title. Um, I th having said that, though, I think he's driven out. He wants to, I've said this before in recent pods, I think he, he um, covets the Premier League title. Um, I think he wants to deliver it yesterday. Um, in fact, I'd go as, I'd go as far to say I would. I think he he wants to deliver a treble. I know that might sound completely preposterous to, to many people listening in, and not necessarily Rangers fans as well. I might add, um, but I think 
but I think he's that driven by success. And we, we've covered this before in the past, Cole. I mean, the, the guys still have a season, season on, on season, uh, improved success in Europe. And you, you made a point earlier where you mentioned the progress debacle. I mean, cash your mind back two, you know, three years ago and with a manager standing in a hedge, remonstrating with irate fans, again, knocked out Europe by a, a team playing in Luxembourg. And no disrespect to, to, the, to the fellas playing in the Luxembourg League. Um, to be really wanted, you know, turn into a basket case club again. I mean, we've invested a lot in Stephen Gerrard, not just in terms of the playing stuff, we're talking about the infrastructure of the club, um, the levels of professionalism, that comes at a cost. And it would be foolish in my view to throw the baby out with the bathwater. We're all frustrated. I mean, we've, we've um, suffered a, a monumental dent to our collective esteem as a club with regards to firstly administration and then demotion and then the, the trials and tribulations are trying to get back to the Premier League and then getting back to the Premier League and, and looking like a shadow of a Rangers team under Mark Warburton. Do we really want to you know, suffer an egypt reaction and go back to maybe having to entice you know, managers that are maybe over the hill, that have, have, have maybe had, had some degree of success in whatever league in Europe in order to try and deliver a, a league title. I mean, look at the other side of the, the city in the sense that, you know, Celtic, we were, when we were going for 10 in a row under Walter Smith, Celtic and Vami Hansen, and I can remember a lot of Rangers supporters, you know, laughing down their sleeve and saying, Vami Hansen, you know, and who's Vami Hansen and blah, blah, blah. And yes, you could say that Rangers, you know, blew it themselves, but... That kind of um, turn and fro and, and, and desperation stakes managerial appointments, we don't want to get to that stage, in my opinion. And to succinctly answer your question, I would stick with Stephen Gerrard, providing he, he delivers silverware. I would give him a pass in the league and give him a fourth season because I think he's, he's contracted for, for four years. So I would let him build and... Uh, if he can't deliver a title, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily hold it against him. But he's got to win silverware. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, I mean, I don't think he can afford another season with, with, with no trophies. <clears throat> I just think too many people are getting drawn into this 10 in a row thing. And I, I'll be honest with you, when, 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 in 2012, when, when we got pumped down to Division 3, I kind of half expected Celtic to win 9-10 and maybe even more. You know what I mean? it just felt like we were a long, long way off. And then you've got the added stuff, as you say, David, of, of all the Sports Direct and the Easedales and all the, the sort of poison that ran through the club at that point. That, again, debilitated us. You know, we, we couldn't even get rid of the championship at the first time of asking we were such a, a shambles of a club at that time. So, you know, I, I, again, I think context needs to be applied. Too, too many people are looking at this as just a straight race between Rangers and Celtic without taking into consideration that, that Rangers have been limping for a, for a long, long time. And it's it's going to take a long time before we were able to, to, to sprint on an even basis. For Rangers to win it, we've got to have an exceptional season. Celtic have got to have an off-season. Uh, and I, I just think if it gets a cup or maybe even two 
then I think he deserves another another crack because he, as you say, David, I think he's he's very driven. He's 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 so focused on doing the job. I think he's in, increased the professionalism, as you say. He's increased he's he's improved the infrastructure. He's made everything at Rangers a lot better, and he's added a bit of glamour as well. You know what I mean? Rangers were not a glamorous club, and we were a tainted and a almost poisonous brand. And Gerard has come in and changed that. And I just think, you know, I mean, Celtic didn't beat us ten seasons in a row. You know what I mean? For their, for their so-called nine this year, they don't have a Brian Loudrop header at Tannadice moment. You know what I mean? They've got a Dundee email getting lost in a spam account moment. You know, I, I just think we're getting tied up into something that maybe doesn't matter that much. What matters is that Rangers recover off the field and on the field. And I think since Stephen Gerrard arrived, we've done both better. It seems to have worked hand in hand. And as you say, David, I think it would be Silly. I mean, if he gets another barren season, that's a different thing. But if he wins a one or both cups, then yeah, I think he's he's earned the right to to have another crack at the league. Uh, but anyway, guys, conscious of time again, we've sort of ran sort of four or five minutes over, so we'll call it quits there. So that's all for this week on this week's uh, Jersnet Weekly Podcast, the Independent Rangers Podcast, which is made by the fans for the fans. A big thanks to Ross and David for their comments and contribution tonight. Uh, great stuff as always. Leverkusen on Thursday, St Mirren next Sunday, so lots to talk about on the show next week. In the meantime, get yourself over to Jersnet and the forums at www.jersnet.co.uk As we always say in these strange times, guys, stay safe uh, and until the next time, bye for now.